Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. And we're back. Another victory uh, Tuesday podcast as Indiana knocked off Idaho 35-22 in a rain-soaked uh, Jekyll and Hyde performance from the Hoosiers. And we're here also to preview Indiana's third game of the season. This one coming against the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, a familiar opponent for Hoosier fans over the last decade or so. This will be the fifth uh, meeting all time between the the programs. Indiana leads the series four to nothing. Um, TJ, just final thoughts on Idaho, and uh, we'll get into to Western Kentucky. I think Jekyll and Hyde is a very good way to put it. Um, certainly, terrible, terrible performance in the first half. Um, kind of a perfect storm of everything that could go wrong did. Um, we, we sort of had a feeling not that it was going to be 10, nothing trailing at the half. Certainly that was totally unexpected. However, with the weather, uh, I think there has to be a, a recognition going in that that's a bit of an equalizer, you know, having a, um, a weather delay, pouring rain, uh, slick ball, that that's a bit of an equalizer now certainly not an excuse for the performance that IU put on the field in the first 30 minutes. Um, but then you also have to come back and acknowledge they handled that adversity very well. Didn't panic, came out right away in the second half and within six minutes had the lead. Um, it, it was a, a really, really tremendous third quarter. Uh, that does not erase the sins of the first half, uh, but certainly made it far less consequential. And bottom line, you, you get out of there relatively healthy, as far as we know, um, and, and you get to 2-0. and And that was, of course, the most important thing walking away from it. Uh, just from a performance standpoint, I think the biggest positive you take from it is the running game was able to establish itself. Even in IU's blowout of Idaho last year, uh, the running game struggled. And this year against a better Idaho team, uh, and that, you know, that has to be said, they have improved. Uh, looks like that they're, they're going in the right direction under Jason Eck. Um, but against a better Idaho team, you're able to run the ball for 6.6 yards to carry. Really good showings by Sean Shivers. Uh, Josh Henderson and the offensive line, they deserve credit as well. Uh, you know, we, we rip on them quite a bit. Got to give them credit when it's due. And then Connor Bazelak, I think, you know, for a couple of drives, had some really good balls uh, that, that he was able to deliver. He definitely does need to be very careful about how many of his passes are being zinged in there 
way too hot. He's overthrowing receivers. And when I say overthrowing, I mean he is throwing it over them, which is incredibly dangerous, leads to interceptions. We saw that against Idaho. That's got to be toned down, uh, or it's going to be a major problem against the better defenses IU plays. Um, but I, I, you saw enough positives in that second half that you're able to say, okay, okay, we can build on that. And again, bottom line, you're 2-0. Yeah, uh, it, it's it was a win um, that we both thought would be by more, but it was a win nonetheless. Right. And after a season where IU only won two games, they've matched that. Um, they've surpassed their win total in conference from last year already, and now you have a chance to to move to three and zero. I thought the run game against Idaho was good, even early on in the first half when they were struggling. They ripped off some big runs, uh, but it was self-inflicted wounds that kind of got them stuck in the mud on the first drive. Uh, You had a procedure penalty on Tim Weaver that made it first and 15. um, And you you got a 12-yard run from Sean Shivers, so it cost you a first down. Um, Then uh, later in the half, you had Josh Henderson ripped off a nice run, but fumbled it around midfield and gave the ball back uh, there. So it wasn't like, you know, they weren't being productive in yards. It was that they could produce no points. And the yardage total was low because it seemed uh, like every drive in the first half for IU started at midfield or even closer to the uh, the Idaho goal line. Um, you know, the, the goal line play where they got stuffed, Sean Shiver, that play had no shot. Uh, they – it looked like they ran the same play twice in a row trying to catch Idaho off guard. It just didn't work, Uh, but they adjusted in the second half. They bring in Donovan McCulley uh, to, to run a, you know, the QB uh, draw or power up the middle for a touchdown. And then you saw the offensive line just started to wear down a a smaller Idaho line. Um, I think that's, that's good news for this week. Uh, coming in against Western Kentucky. Uh, Western Kentucky was a team that IU ran pretty well against last year um, and, you know, should probably run well uh, against again this year. But it was an ugly win, and I think Alex Compton last night on our roundtable talked about, you know, IU really needed that first half kind of as a wake-up call, and it was good to see that they responded, like you said, TJ. But that first half, you know, now you know, especially when you win, uh, it, it makes it a little bit easier. But now you know you can't take anybody for granted. Uh, and I think maybe they mm-hmm. they got out in front of their skis after the, the Illinois win. But it, it was kind of a, a humbling first half. You, you still get a 13-point win. You know, it, it's all good news for IU. But let's get into Western Kentucky. Uh, the Hilltoppers come in at 2-0. and They're coming in off an early bye week after a trip to Hawaii. Uh, they beat Austin P. Uh, earlier in the season by 13 points, uh, used a late pick six uh, to seal that game. Uh, then they went out to the islands and just dominated a, a really bad Hawaii team. They're averaging 43. Western Kentucky is averaging 43.5 points per game. Uh, they're giving up 22 a game. Uh, they're the, I think the biggest surprising stat TJ is that they lead the nation right now in interceptions, uh, with seven. 
but um, it's your typical Western Kentucky high-powered offense, uh, averaging, um, you know, a, a, they they have a total of 547 yards passing, um, and things like that. They're not really running it that well, uh, or that many times that they've run it. You know, for an average attempt, uh, average yards per attempt at, at just over four yards. What's your uh, what's your take on on Western Kentucky? Certainly, uh, the the names that IU fans will remember last year from the narrow win that IU got there uh, at their place, those are gone uh, for for the most part. Bailey Zappi uh, now with the Patriots, I believe. Um, but you and then Stearns um, gone as well. Their top receiver, their top two wideouts actually gone. But they still have a lot of talent that position. Uh, Daywood Davis, uh, kind of the top threat there. And then uh, Malachi Corley is uh, a very good wideout. Also, Davion Irvin Poindexter, who IU fans will remember uh, leading this team in rushing right now. I don't know if that's going to continue, uh, but. You know, he's going to get his shot against his former team, and we'll see what he can make of that. Uh, you're right, turnovers right now. Um, this team, you know, whether that's a, a result of the competition they played, I mean, we can't undersell how bad Hawaii is. They are uh, they're the worst team in FBS. Uh, I, it might not even be particularly close. So them... Western Kentucky surrendering as many yards as they did to the Warriors. That's interesting. Um, Austin P gave them a game. That was a, a real contest in the fourth quarter. So I, I'm not sure what to make of them. I don't think they know what to make of themselves yet. Uh, they do get the early bye week to prepare for IU. Austin Reed uh, in at quarterback. A little bit more mobile uh, with his legs than Billy Zappi was not the threat passing the ball still a uh, good passer, good offensive system. Um, they do have, you know, a different offensive coordinator, but still it's, it's largely the same system. I don't think you're going to see them go as quick tempo wise as what they did a year ago. Uh, it's not going to be as high powered. Uh, you already see even against this reduced competition, and a small sample size, the completion percentage for Austin Reed, uh, about seven points lower than Bailey Zappi had against a full schedule uh, last season. So um, a bit of a downgrade there for sure. However, still a dangerous offense and on defense, very opportunistic defense so far, uh, creating those turnovers. So is that turn or others turnovers? Is that a trend or is that just a bad competition, two games, small sample size fluke, uh, or a combination of the two and it falls somewhere in the middle? Uh, to be determined. You know, we don't know the answer to that, but it's something IU has to be careful of, something Basilak has to be careful of. He's got to take care of the ball uh, and be careful again with those high passes. Um, I do think there's an opportunity here for IU. To run the ball well again, I think they can against this Western Kentucky defense. And I do think that IU's receivers are going to be able to find success against this secondary. Um, I think IU's receivers are better than they were a season ago. 
and I like this unit uh, to be able to have some success against the secondary. One thing I'm really interested to watch is how the depth plays out on Saturday. It's going to be hot, really hot in Bloomington on Saturday. Uh, we're talking mid to upper 80s, and it's a, a noon start. Come second half, you could really see depth start to play a factor if IU can wear down Western Kentucky uh, with their size and their depth. I think that could be a factor. Uh, yeah, it's the first noon game of the year. Uh, Tom Allen mentioned that on yeah. in his press conference on Monday, uh, and, and they're excited for it. Um, I know talking to coaches after last year, those those night games take a toll uh, on the players. You're you're waiting around all day. You don't get back to campus until you know three four in the morning uh, sometimes, and it's just it is just messes you up a little bit. So. Uh, getting back to a normal noon schedule, I think will uh, will help. Uh, the dry weather should help Connor Bazelak as well. Uh, you're right; he's got to take care of the ball. Those high throws, uh, you know, if he's going to throw the overthrow the receivers, uh, Western Kentucky's going to pick off some passes, and IU can't. You you just can't do that. You can't turn the ball over and give a Western Kentucky offense. Um, extra chances this game is going to come down to you know efficiency in the red zone uh, efficiency on drives and who uh, as I said last night who leaves the least amount of points on the field that means like you, you saw last year's matchup IU won because well they won they should have won by more but you know a lot of those drives ended up in field goals when you know if they scored half half yep. of those drives scored touchdowns that game's not a two-point game. It's a 20-some-odd point game. Uh, you're playing at home. You have more depth than, than Western Kentucky. Uh, you, you've played a Power 5 opponent already uh, who's who's been tough. Um, this is a game that IU needs to and, and should, uh, should win. But they have to play a lot better than they played against Idaho uh, to give them cha- themselves a chance at a comfortable win. Uh, TJ, let's go into to key keys to the game. What what's one of your keys to the game on Saturday? I'm going to go you secondary. I've I've picked the offense the past couple of games. I'm going to go with IU secondary uh, against the receivers Daywood and Corley, um, Daywood Davis and Malachi Corley for Western Kentucky. That's a dangerous pair. Um, we saw last year. Kentucky's receivers have some success against IU. Uh, this is a secondary that returns those same players, albeit they're they're healthy right now. So uh, I think Indiana's secondary has a chance here uh, to show themselves as one of the better ones in the in the Big Ten. The Idaho receivers didn't really present that threat outside of Jackson. Daywood Davis and Malachi Corley are two threats. They've got a couple of other guys too, but those are the two primary targets that uh, I'm interested to see how the IU secondary lines up against them. I think you give a, a nod of the hat to Indiana Blitz packages as well. I think the Hoosiers will be bringing the Blitz to uh, to Austin Reed um, to see if they can throw off the timing of this offense. Yeah, that, that's a good key. I, I'm going to go on to the offensive side of the ball since you took defense. Uh, it's red zone efficiency. IU struggled there last week. Yeah. 
Um, you know, they got down into the red zone in the first half twice, came away with no points. Uh, technically, you missed two field goals. You, you got bailed out on the second one with the defensive holding. But that even that resulted in no points. Um, at the very, right. very least, IU has to get three points in those situations. Uh, but I think it's almost an absolute must to get seven, uh, especially against um, Western Kentucky's uh, uh, offense. So it's red zone efficiency. You have – we've seen the package with Donovan McCulley. You could split him out to wide receiver as well. Uh, and hope Connor Bazelak makes a better throw than the fade he threw against Idaho, which was like a front shoulder fade or a back shoulder fade, like a front pylon fade. Like, what are we doing? Uh, Donovan McCulley's like six foot five. Just throw it up there and he's going to come down with it. Uh, you have A.J. Barner in there as well. And Camp Camper, um, you know, is a is a bigger receiver too. So you could just line up your size and throw jump balls. Uh, you know, and then I would put, you know, as good as Sean Shivers has been uh, against Idaho, he did struggle at that goal line. Um, maybe try Josh Henderson in there. He's a little bit of a bigger body uh, and, and could maybe push through uh, the defensive line a little bit more. But IU has options down down in the red zone, and it, they need to score. Allen, maybe? Yep. Um they need to. St- yeah, I thought Howland, uh, you know, limited action, but I, I thought Howland looked good uh, just to, yeah. to throw him in there, not to cut you off, but uh, throw him in there in those goal line situations as well. I mean, he, uh, again, limited action, but what we saw looked, looked pretty good from the big yeah. fella. He was coming off an injury, too, so I'm sure they, they wanted to limit his carries to, to ease him back in. But yeah, you have plenty of big, you know, bigs in there. Uh, you could go two tight ends you can put James Bomba in there uh as kind of like a fullback uh there there's so many options that it's hard to believe that IU went over two in the red zone in the first half uh, with no points so that that's my first key what's another key uh TJ uh for an Indiana win well I, I I do think that um Red zone efficiency is, is going to be a huge part of this. Uh, I think what I'm kind of most interested to see is if Connor Bazelak does like settle down, kind of what's the ceiling for IU's off? Because I, I think looking at the rest of the schedule, uh, I think that this is the weakest defense that IU is going to see the remainder of the year. Um, again, Hawaii had 300 plus yards on this team. Uh, Austin P put up 27. Um, I, I think, and, and you remember, I know it's a different team, but like last year's IU offense had a good day, could have had better. And uh, as we came to found out, that was a really bad offense. So I think that there's potential here to find out sort of, you know, what is the Indiana offense's ceiling? Um, and I think a lot of it is going to have to do with can Connor Basilak hit those those medium-range post routes with consistent accuracy? Because so far, I've been impressed 
with the receiver's ability to get open and with Walt Bell's offensive scheme to get guys open. Um, I, I'm curious if that can continue as defenses get film on it uh, and begin to adjust. But like those, those medium range post routes have been open and I, you has the personnel to make people pay if Basil acts those receivers in stride. Um, so I'm interested to see that continue. Uh, but I, I'm, also really want to see can IU continue to get pressure on the quarterback because uh, they did that pretty well against Idaho uh, they did that okay against Tommy DeVito um, and I think that there will be an opportunity as many times as we expect Austin Reed to be dropping back you got to keep contain on him don't let him get loose and beat you with his legs but uh, I think this is a quarterback you can get after as well uh, given the offensive line for Western Kentucky it's not bad at all, uh, but IU should be able to overpower that group eventually. Yeah, it's – and you hope Desan McCullough is 100% healthy because this is a game he should be able to dominate again, uh, kind of like he dominated yeah. against Idaho. Um, but it, it could also be a depth game. Uh, you have a lot of depth on this IU defense, uh, you, you know – I think they, they stopped playing Cam Jones sometime in the second half when they thought it was in hand. So he could be a hundred percent. You'd see, you've seen Bradley Jennings, Jared Casey, Aaron Casey's had a, had a great year so far. Um, you know, yep. get, let these guys run with their, I use going to be the more athletic team on, on defense. And you, you know, you got to pressure this, the air raid because that's how you stop it. Um, and the defense has got to come back uh, with some takeaways too. They did not get any takeaways. Um, did not get any takeaways uh, against Idaho. I, I guess you could call the safety a takeaway, but when it, when it's listed, it's not really a takeaway. Yeah. And they didn't really have that many opportunities to, to do so either. So um, my second key to the game, TJ, is not actually going to be takeaways. It's going to be tackling. Uh, Indiana's tackling effort the the first two games uh, has been below average uh, to to say to say the least at least from what we've seen in Tom Allen defense and if you're going to have below average tackling against Western Kentucky you're going to get beat uh, they their offense is shifty and they're gonna if they make you miss they're going to get an extra 10 15 yards if not take one to the house. And that's exactly what IU can't afford uh, to have them to have them do. So tackling, uh, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be dry. It's going to be hot. So you don't have the excuse that it's an opener. You don't have the excuse that it's raining and and people are slick, but uh, the tackling has to be much, much better. uh, If IU wants to get out of their three, and oh, Let's go to uh, matchup to watch, TJ. What is your matchup to watch? The matchup to watch is going to be uh, Indiana's secondary. And I'll, I'll just single out two guys, uh, Jalen Williams and Taiwan Mullen against Malachi Corley and Daywood Davis. Uh, mentioned it earlier, no need to rehash that. That's the top two targets for Western Kentucky. You top tiers between those individuals, particularly with the way that Western Kentucky's offense operates. 
so that is my matchup to watch. And I'll throw in a second one, and it's going to be tempo for both teams versus the defense and the heat. Uh, you know, the coaching staff is going to have to utilize depth, going to have to utilize uh, conditioning, you know, throughout the offseason. There's not much you can do about it now, but uh, you're, you're going to have to hope that your guys are in shape and up to the battle. Uh, like I said, it's, it's going to be mid to upper 80s. Uh, it's sunny with, without much wind projected. So, you know, it's going to feel 100 plus on the field, I would imagine. Um, and it's, it's really going to be a challenge for these defenses against tempo offense. Uh, so that's, that's going to be a storyline to watch is which team is able to cope with that better. Indiana's talked a lot about the depth on this defense. We've talked about the depth on this defense. Saturday is a day to, to make advantage of that and use it. Yeah, they, they have to. Um, my matchup to watch, uh, TJ, is Indiana, Indiana's secondary against um, against Western Kentucky's secondary. Now, they won't be on the field at the same time, but it's who's going to – Who's going to make the big play? Who's going to um, get those takeaways, make the interception, get the, that big open field tackle uh, and, and things like that? I think that there will be with as much as uh, Western Kentucky passes and as much as, you know, Connor Bazelak has a pension for overthrowing receivers, there's going to be opportunities for interceptions on both sides. It's who makes the most of those opportunities. So that, that to me is my – you know, uh, unconventional matchup to watch. Yep, I think that's uh, that's a good one. I mean, we talk a lot about Western Kentucky's passing attack, and uh, I, I think that the Indiana receivers feel like, you know, they have improved themselves as a unit uh, to the point where this is a game that they can show what they've got. Uh, it would not surprise me to see another big game from Cam Camper and DJ Matthews. I mean, those guys are, are size and matchup problems for uh, a team like Western Kentucky. I mean, Camper's physicality is going to be a matchup problem for most teams uh, that Indiana goes up against, even those in the Big Ten. And I, I think that they're, you mentioned it, there's going to be opportunities for them to, to make plays, particularly in the red zone, just kind of using that strength and posting guys up. Question of whether or not Basilac can get the ball where it needs to be uh, consistently. So opportunities are going to be there to make plays. Who's going to make them? Yeah, let's go, uh, let's go predictions, TJ. What's your prediction for this one? Yeah, I, I've thought a bit about this because I think there's so many variables at play with a game that figures to have a lot of possessions. Um, now, you know, how does Indiana approach a team like Western Kentucky that runs an air raid style attack and would prefer to go really up tempo? IU has used some tempo when they get into a rhythm. Do they want to continue that? Do they want to shrink the game? I would hope not. I would hope that it's going to be attack. They don't go, you know, super NASCAR fast every single possession, but I hope that there is intelligent use of tempo 
uh, from Indiana and a, a desire to to kind of push the pace on this game and go at Western Kentucky. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of betting on that uh, with this prediction. I think Indiana is going to put up points and come out with a win. Uh, tough, hard-fought game that they're going to have to play well to get. But I think they do. I think we will see a good performance from IU. Uh, a very focused team this week, I think. They remember how tough last year was, and they were fortunate to get out of there with the victory. Uh, but I do like Indiana to win this game, get to 3-0 and before heading to Cincinnati. IU takes it 41-31. to uh, It was close to my prediction, uh, TJ. I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game uh, with Western Kentucky. I think the over is at uh, 61.5. I think they comfortably uh, cover that. Um, and I think yeah. it spreads a little low. The the the, the betting public loves uh, is giving Western Kentucky a little bit too much credit. It opened at at uh, IU minus seven. It's now IU minus six and a half. Uh, I I would go. I, I'm going to take IU forty two. Western Kentucky thirty one. I think Western Kentucky's offense is going to get theirs, um, especially if tackling issues. Uh, come into to play, but they haven't played an offense like Indiana's. They haven't played defense like Indiana's. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I just think I use the better team all around uh, if they play up to their potential. Uh, now, if IU comes out right. like they did against Idaho, instead of being down 10 nothing, you could find yourself behind 28 nothing. Uh, and then that's all she wrote. Yep. Um, it is going to be a high possession game. I would look for probably 14 or 15, uh, maybe 16 possessions uh, per per team, which is is high uh, for college football. So you're going to get a lot of points. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, if you like scoring and, and don't like defense, this is a game for you. Uh, hopefully it's a good IU crowd, but I'm going IU 42, uh, Western Kentucky 31, IU goes 3-0. Uh, heading to to Cincinnati for for a big game on uh, September twenty fourth. Yep, I, I think this is um, really going to be a fun one to watch. I think it's going to be entertaining. Uh, it's a quality opponent, a quality program. Um, and look, it's it's foolish to make kind of comparative results and make much of a deal out of them. But it's worth noting, uh, Illinois won uh, against Virginia 24-3. to Last week, uh, completely dominated that game. Idaho's first week opponent that they gave a real challenge to Washington State. They went on the road and beat Wisconsin. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's just kind of worth keeping an eye on that, hey, Illinois might be pretty good. Uh, particularly when you look at the rest of the West uh, outside of Minnesota and possibly Purdue, um, Illinois could be right there. And then Idaho, I I think is looking at themselves after these first two games uh, as being a much improved squad that has got a chance to do something in the big sky. Uh, So worth keeping an eye on, but early results would indicate, um, you know, Indiana might have two, Decent wins, particularly the one over Illinois, might be a win that really stands up as being a quality one over time. Uh, 
which, again, foolish to make too much out of it. College football, very much a week-to-week game when you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, but it is encouraging to see nonetheless. Uh, and I think West Kentucky is a chance for another uh, pretty good win before you head to Cincinnati. Uh, but you're right. If Indiana plays anywhere close to the way they did against Idaho in that first half, it's big-time trouble regardless of who the opponent is the rest of the way. Yeah, and, you know, you, you go through the schedule for IU and, you know, you, you go you got to go game by game this year. And TJ, I wanted to ask you a question. I, I just thought of, had IU not gone 2-10 and 10 last year and, and maybe have gone 5-7 and seven yeah. or, you know, 6-6, six and six, do you feel better about uh-huh. going 2-0 and oh in the way that they've gone 2-0 and oh this year? Um... Yeah, probably so. I mean, um, I I really do think that that Illinois game is is a win that, looking back, you're going to look and say that was a really good one to get. Because I, I, I think Illinois can win seven or eight games this year. Um, the Idaho won. The way that you – the way that that played out was so bizarre – because the third quarter, you're looking at it like, wow, this team is much better. I mean, I, I am very comfortable saying IU in 2021 could not have played the type of third quarter that IU played last Saturday night. They, we they probably were not couldn't capable. have played the, the, have as many yards in the first half as we did at the end of last year. Yeah. Yeah, you you have to remember in that Idaho game in 21, that was largely special teams fueled um, that it was able to. Now, again, Indiana had great field position Saturday night in the first half, and they squandered it with a series of just really bad errors. But uh, the, the short answer to your question is, yeah, I think you probably do feel better about things just because. I still believe that there is a collective cloud hanging over things, uh, scar tissue, if you will, from how bad 2021 is. And it's going to take some time and some more performances, uh, you know, to, to get that scar tissue removed. Um, and it, it may be something that doesn't come off all season as people kind of wait for the other shoe to drop. Um, it seems that any adversity that, that comes up in a game, it's very quick to, oh, we suck again. Um, for me, I have seen enough through two games to feel really positively that this team is much improved. What I don't know yet is given the difficulty of the schedule and there being such a small margin for error is it going to be enough improvement to get IU back to the postseason? Uh, because looking at the remainder of the schedule is, is quite daunting given how the Big Ten East has performed and how IU's remaining crossover opponents potentially look. I mean, uh, Nebraska firing Scott Frost, I would assume that that can only kind of galvanize them together for the rest of the season. 
we'll see. They could completely tank and be worse than they are. Uh, and then Purdue is still going to be a very, very tough game, regardless of the records. Um, so it's a very daunting schedule. I've seen enough from IU to be uh, to be optimistic about um, how much better this team has gotten. And Saturday, as we kind of count to a bowl game, we know that there's just no margin for error. It's, it's one that you just have to get. You have to. Uh, we knew that getting to a 3-0 and start was the only feasible way for this team to get to a bowl game. They're two-thirds of the way there. One more step to do it, and then I think you take a deep breath and say, all right, job one, done, 3-0, and and they're one step away from getting there. Yeah, you, you get out of the first quarter of the season at three wins, and you, you have the rest of the schedule to just, just grab three wins, whether that's you know, maybe right. going into Cincinnati and stealing one, uh, going to Nebraska, who you're right. We don't know what they're going to look like. The, you know, but it's hard to imagine that that team's going to be bought in, especially if they lose to <laughs> Oklahoma on Saturday uh, at home. And all signs point to them losing to Oklahoma. Uh, you know, it, it's, yeah, they'll have pride. It's a home game. It's at night. But a one in three Nebraska team, uh, yeah, how much juice do they have and, and things like that? Uh, you you got to go to Rutgers. Uh, you could you could win that one too, and you kind of owe them after they came in and kicked your butt last year. Uh, and you get Maryland yeah. at home and Purdue at home. Uh, you know you you hope you could steal one of those if you could if you could split. Cincinnati and Nebraska, you're sitting at four and one uh, with Michigan. I think Michigan and Maryland, you split those. You're sitting at five and two and you're sitting pretty uh, going to, uh, I think going to Rutgers before ending that, that end of the season. I don't know. I think you have to get six wins before you hit November. You got Penn state, Michigan yeah. state or Penn state, Ohio state. Michigan State uh, and, and Purdue to end the season uh, as fun as it would be uh, as an IU fan to to play Purdue for another bowl game, a bucket in a, in a bowl, uh, as it you know recently has become uh, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it'd be a lot more comforting to enter November with six wins and. And knowing that you're you're going to the postseason, you could play a little bit freer, uh, and things like that, and and maybe you do steal one of those games against either Michigan State, Penn State, or Purdue. Uh, we we've mm-hmm. seen Penn State collapse down the stretch. Uh, Purdue is we'll we'll see what they look like against um, against Syracuse this week because uh, they you know they lost their opener against Penn State. Uh, they have their own flaws as well as their strengths. So it, it's everything's still out in front of the Hoosiers, but you got to get this one against Western Kentucky on Saturday. Anyway, TJ, that wraps it up for this week's podcast. Uh, any final thoughts? No, looking forward to Saturday for sure. Uh, I do think that, um, you know, the only thing you could do, and we felt like they really had to find a way to do coming into the season was go 3-0 and through that first quarter of the schedule. IU's got the chance to do that. It has not been perfect. 
uh, but there's been enough really encouraging things for, for I think there to be some optimism about where things are headed uh, for this team. I, I've enjoyed watching them so far, uh, despite their flaws, uh, for the most part, you know, that, that first half against Idaho, notwithstanding, I've enjoyed watching this group. I think they showed a lot of toughness, a lot of fight uh, coming back uh, in that second half against Idaho, coming back in the second half against Illinois and finding a way to get that game and get that win. Um, so I'm, I'm really just looking forward to being able to see them play another 60 minutes against a pretty quality opponent and a quality program and hopefully find a way to get to 3-0, and which is that's the only goal you could set for the first part of the schedule. And I use right there with the chance to get it done. So um, I think you have to look at that as a, as a major build from last season. If you can get to three, you're already ahead of where you were last year. Yep. And I, going back to last year, I don't know if, if they win that, that game uh, against Idaho last year. If that was yeah, played that was last year at the end of the season. Idaho team. Really yep. was. I was impressed. Uh, impressed with, you know, I don't think them being close to Washington State was a fluke. Um, no. I think they're gonna they're gonna win if they can stay healthy because depth is is always an issue at that level. Uh, if they can stay healthy, they're gonna win some some games in the Big Sky for sure. Uh, Jason Eck looks like he's doing a nice job with that program. Not that it should have been that close. Not giving that as an excuse, but uh, that that was a, a you know a situation where they played pretty well. And IU had everything go wrong, largely their own fault. Uh, but still, to be able to just bounce back and quickly put that one away in the second half uh, had to make you feel at least a little better about the way things went. Yep. Uh, anyway, that does it for uh, tonight's podcast and preview. Indiana kicks off at noon in Bloomington against Western Kentucky. The game will be televised on Big Ten Network. Also, BTN tailgate will be down in Bloomington. I believe that starts at 10 a.m. They'll be yeah. on site. It is their uh, pregame show, the BTN's version of, of game day. So they'll have it set up. They usually have cool prizes and, and handouts and stuff like that. Uh, so be sure to stop by there. They usually set up right outside uh, Assembly Hall by where the walk is. Uh, check back with HoosierAuto.com for all your, your previews, uh, game previews and wraps, uh, as well as recruiting news. It was a good week for Indiana on the recruiting trail as well uh, with two new commits. So head on to the site and read about who they are and what they bring to this, um, what they could bring to this recruiting class. Also follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, rate, like, subscribe to our YouTube channel. and. Um, wherever you find uh, podcasts as well. Thank you for listening. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week uh, and enjoy Saturday if you're heading down to Bloomington. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.